Hi, thanks so much for tuning into the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna, and we have a great show today where we are going to be talking about the magic and miracles of life, of birth, of conception. If you are somebody out there that has been struggling to conceive, to become pregnant, um, if you're a male listening and you have female family members who are going through this or possibly your wife, this is a great show that I would encourage you to continue to listen to. And I have to give a little shout out to our assistant producer, Alexandria, because this happens to be her aunt. And um, our assistant producer is the one who has been helping me to gather guests on the show. She works her butt off. She does an amazing job. Um, not only is she finding great people for us, like her aunt, um, but she, you know, she takes all the sh- show suggestions and the emails that you guys give us on top of me finding somebody and saying, oh, see if you can get them, book them. So thanks, Lexi. You're doing an amazing job. Uh, it was great to interview your aunt, and I'm really excited about this podcast most personally, because you're going to hear about some of the stories that I talk about with my stepsister who has been struggling to conceive, gosh, maybe almost four years now. And um, so I find the whole concept of birth and bringing life into the world as probably one of the most fascinating things, right? That's why we listen to this podcast. We're trying to figure out consciousness. What is life? What is life after death? So I really think you're going to enjoy this episode, and one of the ways that you can help support the Path 11 podcast for um, keeping all of the content for free is you can become a Patreon. So I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that website. If you haven't, you can go over to path11podcast.com and click on the orange button on the right-hand side, and it brings you to a page that will show you how you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. The great thing about this program is that it gives you the sponsor kickbacks. So we have some nice gifts to give you in exchange for your donation, and I really hope that you guys would take some time to consider. If you don't have money in your budget, not a problem. One of the ways that you can help us is you can share this page. Share it on social media, tweet it out for us. Um, You know, we never know who you're connected to. And it would be a way, number one, to help us spread the word of the podcast. But two, maybe there's some sponsors out there, some people who do have their own business, and they have a great product that is in line with supporting wellness, healing, the evolution of consciousness, and maybe they would like to become a sponsor on our podcast, and we can go ahead and um, talk about their great, wonderful products that they have, and it could be a win-win situation for both. So you never know where social media can get us, so spread the word for us, guys. I'd really appreciate that. Okay, now let me introduce you to our guest today. So today I am joined with Lisa Cartier. She is a woman's health practitioner specializing in hormone balance, fertility, and birth. With over 15 years of experiences, she has empowered couples to have amazing birth experiences. She helps women connect with their inner resource to discover their true beliefs about themselves, their relationships, and their abilities to birth and parent their children. As a childbirth educator, certified lactation counselor, and a certified doula, she believes the journey into motherhood is a rite of passage and life-changing. She believes this passage should be celebrated and honored. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. 
So this is going to be really the first conversation that we have really had about birth, which seems kind of strange (laughs) to me because, you know, Path 11, we are all based on spirituality and we are trying to answer the questions like, why are we here? How come we're here? How did we get here? What's our purpose? And, you know, birth is just such a miracle. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. Um, So can you tell me just a little bit more about your background and let our listeners know a little bit more about you and and what was it that brought you into this field? Okay, well, I've always felt that if I could just show up at labor and delivery, I would be able to help women um, have their babies with less fear and less pain and whatever. It was just something that always has been in me from a very young age. Um, I started studying energy work. My first um, kind of piece of that was I took a HUNA class, which is a Polynesian class many years ago, and we started studying the chakras and all of that stuff. And I realized that I knew what they were talking about without really knowing what they were talking about or why. So I just started working with women, um, some pregnant moms, some moms that were trying to get pregnant, and then by chance found out that I could actually get certified in birth work and become a doula and actually be there to help them. So I did that. And I started using my energy work with them, um, not on purpose, it just kind of happened. So I realized I had to kind of make an explanation to the women that I was working with, like what is happening and why you're feeling this. And then started realizing I was making amazing connections with the babies and the moms and, and all of that. And then my fertility work started progressing as women started coming to me with, um, issues that they were having because of going through the medical process of trying to conceive. And it wasn't so much for help with that, but because of the stress that that was causing them and what the stress was doing to their body. So from that, I started studying with hormone and fertility experts and just kind of put everything together and now support women who are on the journey of trying to conceive And then being able to be with them through their labors and deliveries, which is pretty awesome. So it's kind of grown from the desire to work with women as they were laboring to this amazing journey of helping them get to that point and then being able to be with them throughout the whole uh, pregnancy and postpartum period. Great. So we have a lot, a lot to talk about. Thanks. I have tons of questions. So um, now do you have children yourself? I do. I have two daughters. Um, One will be 34 next week and one just turned 26. And were you doing this work before you became a mom? Not before. No. Um, Okay. Yeah. It was as they were growing up and my youngest was a teenager and, um, well, maybe a little younger than that when I started, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, they've kind of gone on this journey with me. 
All right. And I'd like to know a little bit more about what a doula actually is, because more and more, um, you know, women that I speak to when they are becoming pregnant, they're immediately, you know, they'll, they'll talk, they'll talk to me and they'll say, and I also have a doula. Mm -hmm. And to me, I I really don't know exactly what a doula does, but it, it has always sounded to me that the doula will bring in something more of a holistic balance and complement, um, to the way that our Western world deals with pregnancy. So can you explain what a doula is, what the purpose is, how are they helping the mother to be, um, and what your role is? Sure. Um, Well, first, in most cultures, women have other women birthing with them. Um, We do it kind of backwards. We kind of separate them from that and take that away from them. So a doula is there to support the mom emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Um, Some families need more education about the birth process or care afterwards or whatever, so we definitely provide that. We provide with the knowledge of knowing like what the process is and what's actually going on with them during each phase. We can guide them through that whole process of, okay, where am I now? Why is this happening to me? How do I ease the pain for where I am right now? Giving them positional changes or just ideas of um, what can help. And also to kind of be there as a buffer with the medical profession. Like if they come in and say, okay, we have a concern about this. We feel we need to do this. Um, We most likely will have talked about many scenarios prior to going into labor. Um, But at the time, obviously, all of that kind of was out the window because you're so in a position of needing to make decisions and can't really figure out what to do. So we can just say, okay, let's take a time out. Let's talk about this. Let's assess what we think is really going on. And okay, what are your options? And then they can make decisions that better serve them rather than being pushed into a situation that they may not be comfortable with or may not actually be totally necessary in that moment. Also, it's great support for the dad so that he doesn't have to remember everything that's going on and everything that should be done and everything they need to do. And they can take a break if they need to and still know that the mom is going to be supported and not be left alone. So it's just support, and every family is different, and some need more, some need less. Sometimes they just need us there holding space and to assure them that they're doing great, and, you know, this is the next step, this is the next step, and you can do it. So it varies from couple to couple. Now, you mentioned that, um, you know, women used to help each other you know, to give birth. So can you educate me a little bit more on how has the birthing just whole process and ceremony have changed over the years? Well, it's become very medical. And when it started being put into hospitals, um, obviously hospitals have a huge accountability and um, a lot of their practices are Because of that, they have to make sure that they're not causing more issues or they're addressing everything. So it has become very medicalized. Um, When more women were birthing at home and using midwives and, and things like that, their bodies were able to do what it knows it can do. um, Without any of the interference or interruptions that the medical profession puts on us. Like when you go into the hospital, 
generally you're in pretty good labor and they, you know, go through this whole process of getting you into the hospital and it totally disrupts the woman's flow and can actually set them back, you know, in time as far as how much they're progressing, kind of stops things. So there's certain challenges with, you know, it becoming very medicalized. And, you know, there is a time and place for that, for sure. But really, women's bodies know how to give birth. And a lot of that gets taken away once they enter the hospital. So having a doula, is that more for somebody that's having a home birth or doulas can also be a part of somebody having um, their birth in the hospital? Well, both. And I really feel the women, especially that are having births in the hospital, need an extra level of support compared to those that are home. Um, When you're home, you're more relaxed, you're in your own environment, Um, things progress a little differently you still need that support because sometimes, the, you know, the midwives generally are not with you through very early labor or even at the start of active labor. So just having somebody there with you still is very important. But when it comes to the hospital births, they have a lot of things that get thrown at them. And especially for first time families, they don't always understand. I try to go over with them different scenarios and what it means and what the ramifications of you know, choices are, but still when you're in that moment, it's hard to, you know, sort through that. So they definitely, I feel, need more support than someone that's birthing at home. Now, again, a lot of my knowledge is just coming from speaking with other moms and women who have gone through this process. And most of um, my listeners know that I'm not a mom, so I haven't had the experience to go through a childbirth. Um, But one of the things that I've noticed is when some women are really contemplating doing the home birth, it almost feels to me that they get scared out of doing it because of uh, what the medical community, they have to let them know what those risks are and the right. risks. I, I always, you know, it seems to be like just um, such a tough decision to make because I've seen so m- many women, you know, have uh, the midwife, the doula, they want to do this at home, but then that whatever the risks are and if they're not in the hospital and they can't be treated medically, that I see a lot of women changing their decision closer to the last minute. out of fear. Right. That does happen. And, you know, we're, we're taught to totally trust and hand over ourselves to the medical profession. Um, so that's a natural thing for women to get to when it's really close to giving birth, because obviously they don't want to do anything to endanger the health of their baby. What I find happens a lot, especially, Um, With first-time moms, if they've decided, yes, they want to have a home birth and then at the last minute change to the hospital, the second time, they definitely opt for the home birth because they've realized they do have the power to be able to birth at home and they don't need to have that fear. But when you don't know what you don't know, it's very challenging to be 100% accepting that I'm going to be okay. So, yes, that does happen. 
I'd also like to know what your opinion is about the high infertility rates. It seems mm. like more and more uh, women, and especially in you know my generation, I'm in my I'm 40 now, but um, you know part of my passion to want to interview you too is for my stepsister, who has also been trying to conceive for years now, and you know she would be considered a geriatric pregnancy Mm -hmm. for women who are over a certain age. But um, so many of my friends that were born around, you know, the 70s seem to have had a really hard time conceiving. And what do you think that is connected to? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the birth control pill because they are putting women, young girls on the pill at very young ages, 13 and 14 years old. And there are a lot of repercussions from that. First, it depletes you of many, many nutrients. Second, um, it takes three years for your ovaries to even know how to function properly. So if they put girls that are 13 and 14 on birth control pill, their ovaries have not learned how to function correctly. So when they get into their 20s, 30s, or whatever and decide to have children, they're told, oh, they have no eggs and your ovaries are not working. Well, that's because, first of all, they're depleted of many nutrients, and second, they have not learned how to function correctly. And the other piece of that is our moms, if they were on the birth control pill, the effects of that still gets passed down through three generations. So if she was depleted from certain things, that depletion gets passed down. Also, our foods are an absolute nightmare. Anything processed, anything that's not whole is very detrimental to our health and well-being, especially for conception. Because, and the stress levels that everybody is in these days is a huge, huge factor. When they become stressed, their adrenals get whacked. Once the adrenals get whacked, the whole hormone balance gets thrown off. And if they've been depleted for whatever reasons and you add that to the fire, it becomes a vicious cycle. And it's very, very hard to undo that and bring things back into balance. So anything synthetic or not real or whole really is detrimental to the reproduction factor. When we're stressed and our body is not functioning correctly because of improper nutrition or depletions or whatever, the first thing to get thrown out the window is our reproduction because it's not a necessary function to survive. So that immediately gets shut down. You know, our body has to take care of our heart and our brain. And so that piece of the puzzle gets pushed to the side and says, okay, we don't have to do that with that right now. This body is not well enough to conceive a child and carry to term. So it shuts down for us. So there's a lot of factors involved with it. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) And so, so when a woman comes to you who is trying to conceive and, um, you know, is not successful. What's your protocol? How do you start to work with these women? Because I'm sure every individual woman has a uh, their own unique story and other things yes. that could be contributing. Um, but how, how do you help them? Well, I have a pretty extensive intake form that um, even goes into a lot of their mom's history, siblings' history, a lot of, you know, different factors generationally. And also their lifestyles, um, 
it has to be a whole picture because if you leave out a piece of it and you don't address one part of it, then oftentimes it's still very unsuccessful. So I try to treat things emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So we go through the stress levels. We go through their lifestyles. We go through what foods they're eating. Um, I have them chart their cycle pretty extensively, and we look for three factors and see how all those three pieces are fitting together. They have to track their temperature every day, and then I have them track their cervical mucus, and then I have them track it with an um, ovulation predictor. So to see where all three of those pieces are fitting into their cycle times. So in order to conceive, those three pieces have to be happening at the same time. Their temp has to go up, they have to have cervical mucus, and they have to be ovulating all at the same time. And once they ovulate, the mucus goes away, the temperature should stay high for a few days, and then it'll start to, you know, go down after a few days. If it looks jagged, the temperature up and down, then I can determine, okay, we have some estrogen dominance, they probably need more progesterone or whatever. So we evaluate the cycle pretty extensively and look at their foods and the chemicals that they're using in their house. That's the other thing, the environmental factors today are huge in decreasing fertility. So, and they're usually pretty surprised at like what some of their foods are and how much stuff is really bad that's in their foods. I have them go through their cupboards. I have them look at a lot of environmental things to see what types of toxins um, may be in their body. We do quite a few different assessments so we can kind of see the whole picture. And again, looking at the stress levels and, okay, so what's causing the stressors in your life? What can we do to bring some of the stresses down? And that's where some of my energy work comes into play. We really work at um, bringing those energies down in the body and trying to get some of that released so that some of the hormone balance can come back into balance. So there's a lot of pieces, and it's not ever a quick fix. There's usually, you know, months of work that needs to be done. But we constantly evaluate through the whole process where they are, what's changed, um, what do we have to change. We look at their gut health. I look at their thyroid health. I look at their blood sugar stabilization. Oftentimes, I will have them take their blood sugar um, at right after the eat, and then 15 minutes later, an hour later, two hours later. So we can see what types of foods are are affecting their blood sugar levels because that gets affected by their stress levels also. And I often will recommend um, hormone testing for them, but I give them a pretty specific list of what to test for because oftentimes the tests that the doctors are doing, first of all, they do the, only the blood serum, which only test you for that moment right there. And obviously with our cycles, there's many different things going on and some of the tests should be done at different times. So often I will um, try to get them to do a saliva test, some saliva testing or some dried urine testing so that we can actually test throughout their cycle to see where things are happening. So we try to put as many pieces of the puzzle together and then work with each of those pieces to try to get them back into better hormone balance. 
Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I'm thinking of as you're describing all of the different things that you take into account with the environment, you know, the emotional stressors, Mm -hmm. the food, the toxins, is that it sounds to me that if you begin to change the environment within the body, then you are likely changing how fertile that body will become. Exactly. Yep. We um, check their stomach acids. We check um, for yeast, we checked for pH balance in their body. All those things can give us a lot of information. Now, I'd like to hear a little bit more about uh, the energy work that you do, because you mentioned earlier in the podcast that not only are you working with the energy of the mother, but that you're also able to sense and work with the energy of the child that is not yet born. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really very very interesting because oftentimes like I can sense I do first of all I do Reiki and I do IET which integrative which is integrative energy therapy which works at releasing um, issues um, at the cellular level and then you replace it and integrate it with a with a more clear energy and I also do some tapping with them which um you know, there's a certain process to follow for reproduction and things like that. And also energy medicine, where I work with the meridians and try to get all of that into balance. And, you know, for a successful pregnancy, your spleen and kidney um, energies need to be in balance. So oftentimes we'll try to work with that a lot. But with the babies, um, I can oftentimes know before the mom even knows that she's expecting that she's expecting or even know that there's a baby that's wanting to come in. And sometimes I have to work with them with um, like really getting at the root of, okay, they really do want to conceive, but they have a lot of fear. And oftentimes that child will know that the mom is in fear and it's not the right time. So I do a lot of... um, spirit baby work with them also obviously I work with them a bit to get things in balance before we even do that but um just helping them to bring the baby into their consciousness and just you know allowing it to be okay because even though they want it sometimes it's very challenging because there's a piece of them that has a lot of fear so energetically I will work with them with that And then especially during the labor and stuff, I can um, work with the babies, even communicating with them and just, you know, assuring them that everything's okay and, you know, kind of sensing where they are and, and things like that. So it's very cool. Yeah, I've had some pretty profound experiences working on pregnant women in my practice when I'm administering Reiki. And they're mm-hmm. some of the, the most fun uh, sessions that I've had because I have been able myself to be able to communicate uh, with the babies. Um, and I have a, a funny story to tell. And I don't know if you have a story that you'd like to share, but mm-hmm. um, there was one woman, we kind of tease her a little bit because the baby was showing me, I was giving her Reiki and the baby was showing me this really beautiful painting that had like red and oranges in it and he was saying how much he loved this picture and um, you know so I was telling her and I said well you know he keeps showing me this painting and it's it's red and orange and she starts laughing and she's mm-hmm. like oh my god I paint I know exactly what you're 
been talking about. It's a painting of two birds, and yeah, it's a it's a sunset with red and orange and yellow. And I painted at the paint and sip, and she goes, and it's hanging right across um, from my toilet in my bathroom. She's oh like, so <laughs> when I go to the bathroom, I look at it every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And. Um, and we were laughing. She's like, how the hell did you know that? And I was like, well, I don't know that. I've never been know. in her house before, but, you know. Right. And some of the experiences that I've had working on pregnant women with Reiki and, like, you know, getting communication from the babies has yeah. blown my mind. You I know? know. It's really pretty awesome. Yeah. Do yeah. you have uh, any story that you'd like to share about that or one case in particular that was pretty profound for you? Well, I think that it's always awesome to be able, especially during the labor, to um, just connect with them and just, you know, kind of see where they are and then being able to, you know, assure the mom that everything's okay and, you know, the baby's just taking its time or whatever. Um, that's always, I always like being able to connect with the baby so I can have a sense of where things are with them and, it's very interesting because then I can often say, okay, well, my prediction is around this time, this is when you're going to be delivering because just having that communication is really pretty cool. But um, one one day I remember um, going to see my friend who is a massage therapist and I went to her office just to talk to her and and I said to her, I said, okay, so what is going on? I see right over your right shoulder, there's this beautiful little girl with dark hair and this very um, ivory skin. Like, she's absolutely beautiful. And she's telling me, well, actually, she started giving me messages way before I even saw her with um, the mom. And because um, I would call her and I'd say, okay, Heidi, um, this is going on. What is up? And she'd tell me and I'm like, okay. And I would get the messages from the baby that wasn't even conceived yet. So then this one time I went in and I saw her and I'm like, okay, I see this little girl right over your right shoulder. She's like, but I'm not pregnant. I'm like, I don't know. I really think you are. You might want to go home and check. And sure <laughs> enough, she was pregnant. So it was just so cool because I had, you know, through the whole summer been getting these messages and I would call her and say, okay, what is going on? She's like, how did you know that this is going on with me right now? I'm like, well, I was told it. And then to actually see the little girl was very awesome. And she looks exactly like she looked when I saw her. So that was pretty cool. Wow, that's so yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, don't, I was also wondering if you have um, any other story that of maybe um, someone that you were working with, and I know for probably confidentiality purposes, you can't, you know, obviously give all information or names, but I was just wondering if you ever came across a case that it seemed maybe close to impossible of uh, a woman conceiving just with maybe some medical issues that somebody had, mm. but with, with your protocol and what they did to make the change that it actually did happen. Do you have anyone like that? Well, I have one that I've been working with for a while and she's had a number of losses and um, has been really struggling for a couple of years. She has a daughter who is older, like 13, and she has remarried and they really wanted to have another baby. And, you know, we went through our usual things and um, she had a couple of losses while we were working and I just really kept impressing upon her that I felt like she needed to have some genetic testing done 
um, because I felt like there was something that they were not, you know, doing. They kept saying, oh, it's because of her age. And I, I knew that was nonsense because that just is not true. And so we did a lot of work. And then I just said to her, you know, I really feel like you need to have this genetic testing done and, you know, see what it is. And then we can go from there because I feel like once we can correct this issue that I'm not sure what it is at this point, but there is something that they are just not, you know, they just kept telling her, well, it's because of your age and you just have to keep doing this. And they wanted her to go through IVF. And I'm like, no, you're conceiving. There's something that's happening, you know, with this process that they're just not looking at. So she's like, well, why wouldn't they ever have, why didn't they ask me to have this testing? I'm like, they're not going to suggest that because they're trying to get you to go down the path of IVF. And, you know, that's, that's where their focus is at this point. Or they wanted her to have a donor, egg donor and all of this, which was pretty crazy because she was conceiving and she really didn't have a problem conceiving. It just wouldn't carry. Mm. So she did have the genetic testing done and she found out that she has the MTHFR factor, which is very um, somewhat limiting for conceiving. I mean, you can't have folic acid. It has a lot to do with your you know, histamines and how you methylate and all of this stuff. So she was like so happy to know that, but then very upset because she had gone through all of these losses and nobody had ever considered, you know, figuring this out. And it was a pretty simple thing to figure out. It's a very complex thing to undo. So, you know, working with her to get all of those factors. You can't really rectify it. You can only do things to make it better. Um, so that has helped her health in general tremendously because she feels so much better because she's doing the right things to support her systems, which is what was necessary. So we're still working on the conception part of it because it's taken us so much time to get to where she was more balanced and feeling better. And I'm sure that will coming so wow okay that was and a I'm, big thing <laughs> yeah and when you talk about the genetic testing I'm sure that a lot of women um, are either paying out of pocket for this or having to go through uh, quite a process to try to get their health insurance companies to pay for these types of Sometimes. testing is, mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. the thing with her with having so many losses and stuff I don't think that it became an issue for her but that you know, can be. I think if you have like a family history with anything, which she did, which is another crazy reason for them not doing it. I don't understand why they wouldn't have considered that initially. Um, you know, I, I don't get it. Some, so it can be more challenging, but I think that it really should be a part of when you're trying to conceive or be, like in the preconception planning stage. Um, which I really try to work with couples in that part of it so that we can eliminate as much stuff as possible in the beginning. Um, it's hugely beneficial. I think they're starting to come around more to it, but um, it probably still is a challenge. I mean, the, the, good, the great thing about that is you can go to 23andMe and have that testing done, and you will get that information. So... 
Um, sometimes getting people that can actually decipher it may be a little challenging, but it is something that they could bring to the doctors. And I've had some training in that. And you can also upload it to a certain thing. Um, I don't know. I can't remember the exact uh, group that does it, but they will go through the reporting and give you your information so that you can understand it and know, you know, what it means. So there are other options. Now, people who are maybe contemplating IVF, um, what are some things that you would highly recommend uh, to somebody to say, well, if you haven't tried this, this or that, maybe you should look into this before you consider IVF? Yep. I have a whole protocol that I work with prior to, um, because the issue becomes with IVF, well, one of the many issues is that if they're not fixing what isn't working already, that oftentimes it's not successful because if you're not being able to carry a pregnancy or whatever, then you're not going to be able to carry an IVF process. It's just not going to, to work. And that's part of the reason why they're very unsuccessful is because they're forcing their bodies to do things that are not natural. Plus they haven't fixed the original issue for whatever is happening. And again, a lot, some of that can be the genetic piece that they don't always do, although they are doing more and more genetic testing on the embryos to make sure that they would be a viable pregnancy. Um, but I, it takes um, three months for an egg to mature and be healthy. So I try to work with them for a minimum of three months so that we can get them in a healthier position to be able to successfully carry an IVF pregnancy if that's what they're choosing to do and again I work with them in a lot of the same ways we we look at we try to look at some of the factors that are going on and what can we do nutritionally to support this what what do we need to change in your lifestyle how do we bring some of your stressors down going through IVF is an incredibly stressful process and it does horrific things to the woman's body so you're adding that on top of the stresses that you already have because you've probably been going through this for many, many years. Um, So that stress level is huge and that has really put things out of balance. If people would work at trying to get themselves in a better position prior to IVF, they probably would be more successful. Great, yeah, and IVF is not cheap. (laughs) No, it's incredibly expensive. And I've had women come to me that have gone through like seven, eight, nine sets of IVF procedures. So you can imagine um, what their stress levels are, what their financial levels are. And um, it's pretty, pretty outlandish. The other interesting thing that I have discovered, um, I have an acupuncturist that works in an IVF clinic and oftentimes he will send women to me once they do conceive because he hates just not being like not supporting them still so that they can have some support. And one of the things that I've realized with IVF moms is that at time of birth, they have to go through this entire process of grieving all of those losses because they've all, you know, been embryos, but they just have not been able to carry them. So we kind of have to go through this process of energetically and emotionally um, getting past that so they can actually deliver the baby that they are having because they almost have like a layer of guilt 
because they've lost all these previous pregnancies and now they have this one. And it's almost like it's very challenging emotionally to even um, acknowledge that and accept it because of all the losses. So there's a whole process that we go through to get them to that point where they can open and actually deliver the baby that they're now carrying. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I really love your approach. And I love how it really is more of that, you know, mind, body, spirit, and to even acknowledge some of that stuff that might not even have been thought about or spoken about Mm -hmm. um, is pretty important. Yeah, it is. It's pretty amazing. Now, we have listeners all over the United States, all over the world. You are based here in New York. Um, mm-hmm. And I do see on your website, the website is womensintegrativehealthnewyork.com, that you do give complimentary consultations. Now, Correct. is that only for people in New York? Because you might have oh, people no. all I over have, the United I States have calling people all you. over, yeah. I had a client from Anguilla once. So, yeah, no, I, I can work with them anywhere, actually. And even in the birth support, like just being able to work with them prior to the to the birth. I mean, obviously, I can't physically always be there with them as a doula if they're in another location. But what I can do is is support them throughout the pregnancy and get them to a point where they're able to have an easier birth and train their partner or whoever is going to be with them, you know, certain levels of support so that they do have support. So that's part of what I do also. And you can work with people over Skype and in different mm-hmm. states. All right, right. wonderful. Oh, yeah. good. I'm going to send yeah. my stepsister <laughs> to you then. I'm, good. I can't. Great. I can't wait for her to listen to this. But um, yeah. yeah, that that would be wonderful. And you also have a free uh, ebook available on your website yes, I as do. well. Yep. Yep. All right. Great. Well, I mean, the work that you're doing uh, is amazing. I, I, like I said, I just love your approach and your wealth of information and knowledge. Mm-hmm. So um, I would really recommend any listeners who are going through this this challenge themselves to definitely pick up the phone, give Lisa a call. Um, again, she offers that free 50 minute consultation. Doesn't matter where you are, where you live. And uh, again, Lisa's website is is womensintegrativehealthny.com and we'll also put that in the show notes Great. so thank you so much um i learned a lot good <laughs> that's what yes. i'm about education the more women know the better they can take care of themselves and you know not have as much stress involved with it absolutely yeah you will definitely be my number one go-to for any women (laughs) that walk through my door um, that I can send away I will and um, just uh, for the listeners too how do people pay for your services is this more of a private pay and not covered by um, insurance it's to be out of pocket for people okay yep basically what we'll do is we'll sit down and design a program and then go from there Wonderful. Okay, Lisa. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. And uh, I loved having you on our podcast. Great. Thanks. It was great. Thank you. If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time. Thank you.